Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Welcome to Football is Family, a podcast dedicated to the fan and fan experience. My name is Jeremy McFarland, and I want to look at the positive behind what makes football so enjoyable to watch and follow. I want to know why you are a fan of your team, of a player, or an era of football. Whether the pros, college, or high school, I want to hear and share your stories and your love for the game. If you want to be part of this podcast, please message me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore McFarlane, or on Facebook at the Footballist Family Facebook page. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Footballist Family podcast. And if you hear kind of a humming in the background, it's going to be on. Uh, the air conditioner is on in Tennessee. It's it's about 100 degrees here in the shade, and it's just got too brutal. So uh, this is how we stay cool in Tennessee. We have a window unit. That's how we work. That's how we roll here. But I am uh, privileged to have a special guest today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, th- thanks for having me, Jerry. My name is uh, Sean Conley. Um, I'm a former football player uh, at the University of Pittsburgh, as, as well as a few stops in the NFL. And uh, now I'm teaching yoga and meditation in, in Pittsburgh with my wife. See, this is the thing. He is in Pittsburgh. My father-in-law would be uh, doing backflips if he was still alive because I'm talking to somebody in Pittsburgh who went to the University of Pitt. He is. Uh, he was a huge Pittsburgh Steelers fan, and he would remind me how many times the Steelers won Super Bowls compared to the Titans. <laughs> yeah, he reminded me. Yeah, that, that's easy. I mean, I, my, my, uh, I, I grew up a Cleveland Browns fan. Um, so yeah, my dad is, is, has passed, but if he was still around, he, I don't think he could believe the, the number of Super Bowls the Browns or they've even gotten to <laughs> after all, all right. these years. Are you, are you still a Browns fan? Because of what happened yesterday, we got to talk about it. No, no, I, I, I yeah, that we, the, the Browns are being the Browns. No, I, I, I grew up a hardcore Browns fan. My, my father used to take me from, I'd say, like as young as age eight, he'd take me up to up to Cleveland. You know, it was like a two hour drive from Erie. We'd sit in the dog pound. I would, uh, I would smell all the marijuana around me and hear, get all, learn all kinds of, uh, new words. <laughs> but, uh, but once I, uh, finished playing football at, at the University of Pittsburgh and, um, you know, started getting like, you know, offers to sign as a free agent in the NFL, I, I just kind of shifted instead of being like a fan of a team. I just became, you know, I just wanted to play, play and f- play football. And now I just, I'm back to just being a fan of the sport. Well, good. Did you throw, uh, dog bones onto the field? I, d- I did not, but I but I saw that, and I I definitely w- I definitely barked. <laughs> oh, you have to, you have to. You, if there are people up there in Cleveland right now listening, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The only team that's more dysfunctional than you are the Washington Commanders. That's all I can say about that. It's it's awful. You, you guys deserve a lot more. But but anyway, let's get back on on uh, on track here. Sean, you you played in 
college, you played in in the pros. What brought you about? What what brought your football fandom and your football uh, you playing college and professional? What brought that about? Yeah, my biggest influence would, would certainly be my father. My father played. Um, uh, baseball, basketball, football in high school. And he was just, he, he, he was a great athlete. I'd never really heard that from him. He never talked about his sports that much, but I'd hear it from like, like his friends. He, he, he was, uh, uh, drafted by the pirates. He had an opportunity to play single A baseball. So he was just, he was just this phenomenal athlete. So, you know, growing up in Erie, which is also a huge sports town, uh, especially football, and and baseball so like like football was on our house uh, on on tv in the house every weekend like so on saturdays it was notre dame football uh you know here was like a big catholic town so like you know you know notre dame that that was that was the big school that everyone watched on saturday and on sundays was you know you're either a cleveland browns fan based on like where Erie's located or the or the pittsburgh steelers and so we were huge browns fans and uh if the browns weren't on tv he would take me to a bar across the border in ohio and we'd we'd watch the browns but we never missed uh the cleveland browns and so i just grew up you know that that was to me the nfl football was was everything so from a very young age i I started to uh to play football age eight actually and um you know played it until my career ended in in my mid-20s now you that's one thing about this this show sean that i that i really like hearing is where it became part of your life uh you said your dad brought you up in it that that's some special moments that you would never ever trade would you no no absolutely not and you know my, my father passed away um about uh, about five years after my nfl career ended and 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 part of my career he, he had colon cancer he was actually getting uh cancer treatment where he had to inject um inject himself with the with a shot for his treatment at the time and when i was with the indianapolis colts he would drive from erie to indianapolis he would stay at a, at a, at a motel six um, I would go over, I'd hang out with them and, um, you know, sometimes like, you know, you know, uh, spend the night and then just get back early in the morning to, to back to the hotel room. But he just, uh, you know, he, he just loved football and, and it wasn't like he pushed me. Like, it wasn't like it was his dream for me to make it to the NFL. It was just, he, he always just let me play whatever sport I wanted and he, he never drove me, but like, you know, it was certainly like being able to share that dream with him was, was, was pretty special. That's incredible. That's something, um, my son uh, passed away six weeks ago yesterday. Oh man, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I mean, and, and I brought this up and thank you. And I brought this up in the past episodes. If you have problems with depression, please seek help, please. Uh, but there's, my son was not a sports fan, but I, I took him once to a Tennessee Titans game and all he wanted to do was watch my phone. So that's that's my football story with my son. <laughs> but I'm glad that you had that moment um, with your dad. Uh, now, what I remember w- when you were talking with Darren, you were originally a soccer player. Right. And then you kind of you, – you didn't play football in high school, but you did walk on to a Division three school. Right. Two right. fact, right? Or you, right, well, right, you tried right. one, but then you got another <laughs> Right. Yeah. Could you tell me about that? Well, I go ahead and turn this air off because it's getting a little loud in here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I just spent my, my high school was supposed to have a football team. Um, and then that they, uh, they were supposed to start one up by freshman year, but they didn't. And so then, but I liked, I liked my high school. So I just stayed there. And, and I, the plan I came up with was because, 
back in the eighties, late eighties, especially there was a lot of uh, European soccer players coming to the NFL. Um, a lot of guys who, who didn't play in high school. One of them was like Morton Anderson. And I just thought, Hey, these, these guys can do it. They're not playing in high school. And so I, I would just, I would just train on the side when I wasn't playing my other sports, either basketball or soccer. And I would just, there was a field not too far from my house. So I'd just go train there. Um, you know, every time, every time I had an opportunity and then I, then I, yeah. So then the idea was to walk on, you know, eventually division one, but what happened was after high school, I decided, Hey, I'm just going to start small, get some confidence in division three. First school I went to, they said I could walk on, but then the first day of practice that the coach changed his mind, said you already had enough kickers. So Three months later, I, I essentially just dropped out of school there. I got really depressed and started drinking. I think my whole dream was messed up. But luckily, uh, there was a school in my hometown, Erie Gannon University, which started a, a football team for the first time since uh, right after World War II. And so they they just took anybody, anybody wanted to play. So so for two years, I, I kicked for Gannon. I wasn't very accurate. Um, I was able to like you know kick the ball really deep into the end zone. But I think my accuracy was somewhere around 25 30%. Uh, then I decided, hey, I got one more chance. I have one more year of eligibility. So I went to the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, they had four or five kids already on scholarship, but uh, I was able to work my way up from, from spring ball as like the number seven kicker. And by the time uh, I was at ha- half an hour before the, the first kickoff, the special teams coach came up to me and told me that I, w- I was the starting kicker. So I was able to, uh, to, 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 to get that just in time. And I was able to play one year for, for the university of Pittsburgh. So it, it, it worked out. It was a very unconventional route, but uh, it all worked out in the end. Most dreams can't, well, most dreams are unconventional how to get to them, aren't they? You don't, you have a, you have a goal in your life where you say, I have a, a golden path, but usually you end up on the goat path to get to where you want. And that's why you have to stick to it. You never know when it's going to end, do you? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I think that really helped my career as I went on, um, you know, being rejected by that Division Three school, um, you know, having some success at that second Division Three school at Gannon, but also having um, a lot of failures. And then just, you know, being able to, you know, go to an environment where four or five kickers, like they, they, when I showed up, they, they just wanted nothing to do with me. I, I, it's got this, you know, like you know, I was this walk on. These guys had scholarships that were all told that they would be the starting kicker at Pitt at some point. And, you know, so I think that just helped, uh, you know, just me able to just like dial into my own, my own world to the point where these guys weren't my competition. It was, it was just me. And so I just had to, do, I just knew I had to do what I needed to do to, to, to be successful. So I just, just, you know, was able to, you know, learn just to block out, um, you know, competition. And uh, I think that just really helped me when I was able to go on to the next level. Let, let me ask you this. Let's go back to your, your, your first rejection, because I imagine that has a lot to do with what you wrote in your new, what you wrote about in your new book, the, mm-hmm. the point after, right, uh, which is available on Amazon uh, Books a Million. I have a link on my Twitter page. Uh, click on it. Get this. Give this book a chance. Uh, what what got you out of that depression? Was it opportunity, or was it family, or was it all above? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that that got it got, got me out of it was 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 kicking, doing something I loved, and because what what happened was when I first came back to Erie, I just got really down about it, and I, I thought my, my my dream was over. Um, it was now um, January in in Erie, in January in Erie, you know, the, like the sun goes down by four o'clock, and it, it's dark, it's cold, and so so I wasn't kicking at all. I and and I just decided, you know, I was going to wait to the spring and didn't know where I was going to go to school. But 
what happened was I, I decided, even though it was wintertime, I just started kicking and I would, I would go to the field and I would just kick on, you know, it was like snowpack 12, 18, you know, you know, 24 inches of, of snow and ice. I just kicked right on top of that and just, just, you know, being outside and kicking and doing something I, that I, that I really loved. And, um, I found that, you know, like looking back on it, it was something that I think was just like a, it was therapy for me. It was meditation, just, you know, doing something I loved. And I think, you know, that the combination of all that, you know, being outside and, you know, doing something I loved, it just really helped, help pull me out of it where I felt like, you know, like I, I can, I can keep going. And, and, and ironically that that training, um, on these really, you know, shitty conditions of snow and ice and cold, um, uh, by the time I got down to the university of Pittsburgh, um, you know, it, it didn't matter whether we played a home game on turf or a road game on grass. Like we played, um, uh, like a Penn state in a, in a, in a monsoon, like with just raining the, the, the field conditions never bothered me. So it actually just being in these really bad conditions and also being in a bad headspace and knowing that I could come out of it. You know, I think that really helped my, my career going forward as a kicker. You faced adversity, obviously you faced it then. Uh, did you get any encouragement from from outside that kind of helped you along? Yeah, but the, the biggest help I got is when I when I when I walked on at the University of Pittsburgh. We had a brand new coach there. Um, his name was Amos Jones. He's still in the, he's coaching the NFL today, so he's been around a really really long time. He played for um, uh, the Bear. He played for Bear Bryant, and I I. I, I I always had a challenge with like perfectionism. So I always wanted to be like this, like this perfect kicker. I wanted to be able to kick it at like a certain distance. And I wanted to be able to like, you know, like, like never miss. And I wanted to have this, like this perfect training regimen. Um, so I would spend a lot of time after practice going into the video room and looking over my kicks. And, and one day he, he hollered at me and he said, you need to stop. Cause I, I would spend a lot of time working on the kicks that I'd missed. Like, you know, what I did with my plant foot, um, you know, how, how I struck the ball, my follow through, et cetera. And he said, you need to spend more time on your successful kicks and, and, and what you do. Right. And at this time I wasn't named the starting kicker. This was between spring ball and, and, and summer camp for the upcoming season. And that really shifted a lot of things for me where I realized like, I needed to work on positivity and he, he, you know, just reinforcing that in my mind. And he said, where he learned that from, um, he must've been ahead of his time. What was, was bear Bryant. He said, after they played a game, cause he, he played and coached for bear Bryant, uh, bear Bryant would bring the whole team into the auditorium. And he said for maybe five minutes or so, he'd show them up on the, on the big screen, you know, some mistakes they made, like, Hey, we need to get better here. We need to get better there. But then he said for the next, uh, portion of the, of, of the video, it was all their successful plays. And he'd show them like, you know, look what you did here. Like, you know, like, like, you know, get this in your mind. And so he would show that to, to the players. And he said, that was huge. Like, so the players, he said, they, 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 you know, it just helped like them having a positive attitude and it must've worked. I mean, you know, the, the, the success that Bear Bryant had, um, but uh, he said that was big for him. And that was something that he tries to instill like Amos, Amos Jones into the players is, hey, yeah, like it, it's good to know, you know, to, 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 to work on your technique and get better. But don't forget all the things that have, that have gotten you to this point you're in, in, in your career. How did you uh, transition from a soccer kicker to a field goal kicker? Because I want to I want to say and I might be off on this. Lou Groza. It, it was a straight on kicker mm -hmm. for years. And Lou Groza brought that in for the bills. Was it, I believe it was for the bills, but how did you, you know, you have your plant foot, you have your kick, but you kick up instead of out. I mean, how did you transition? Cause that's fascinating to me. 
Yeah, for, for me, it, it, it wasn't too difficult, you know, because I played soccer and um, I, I was um, I played different positions, but I was a goalkeeper. And uh, uh, kicking a football is very similar when you see a uh, a goalkeeper take a goal kick where he just lines up and, and and drives it where he's going for he's going for he's going for distance and he's also going for for height. So for me, I it 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 wasn't that difficult. That. The, the hardest part for me in the transition was to 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 kick it straight between like the, the narrow goalpost because the, the the sweet spot in the football is about the size of a nickel that you want to hit and the part of your foot as well is about the size of a nickel so you need that perfect coordination between you know th- that bony part near your toe and that small sweet spot and so if if either one of them is off just by a little bit that could change the, the 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 trajectory of the football, and you know the further back you are, if you're off just by a little bit, that's why you'll see like those you know 40, 45 yard field goals just go slightly right or, or slightly to the left. That's because there was something just slightly off with the sweet spot, or something slightly off with the plant foot, because the plant foot has to you know when 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 that that plant foot hits the ground, it has to be pointed at the center of the goalpost. If it's slightly off to the left or the right, that's going to change the direction of the kick. That mean that you uh, you practice more on placement than you do kicking. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, for sure. Because the, the placement's huge. Because what also comes into play if is if your plant foot is too far forward, you're not going to get under the ball enough, and it, it could be like a knuckleball or something like that. If you're back too far, if your plant foot ends up being back too far, then you're gonna get under the ball, and then it's 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 gonna get it's gonna get under too much too much air, and it's not gonna go as far. So that plant foot has to like be in the perfect position when you strike the ball, and it it takes a while to get to the point. That's where I was always trying to perfect it. But what I discovered was it, it wasn't thinking about that foot, like you know, like like looking at it over and over again. It was more about getting the feel. And once I got the feel down, like hey, this is. Like I got to a point where I didn't even have to like look up. I knew if the ball was going through the goalpost. You'll see that a lot in the NFL. Like well, they'll show the replay where the kicker is already celebrating. He hasn't even really like like looked up, but he just knows that that ball he struck it perfectly and and it's going straight and and far. Well, I I had the chance. Uh, I go to the Titans training camp up in Nashville when they've had it, and hopefully they'll have it again this year. And a few years ago, I had the chance to watch Rob Baronis do his thing. Now, if you don't know who Rob Baronis is, I know Mr. Sean here, he probably knows exactly who he is. Uh, he was one of the best kickers. In fact, I think he set a record a few years ago against the Texans by kicking the most field goals in a game and won the game for the Titans. But I looked at it and it, and the way he set up, it looks like he, it was effort, effort. It's, it had no effort. It, it required no effort, but I imagine that's because he has gone through it not only through his high school years, his college years, but obviously through the pros. Uh, you just don't happen on greatness, do you? No, no, absolutely. And, and once you get to the level of the NFL, that you know, there's a saying that you know, kicking is ninety percent mental, and the other ten percent is mental as well. And, you know, once these 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 kids, these college players. You know, once they're in training camps and 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 trying to make in the NFL, like the, the 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 difference between them with their physical capabilities is 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 pretty minuscule. In many cases, you could say it's the same. What it comes down to is like which kickers have like a stronger mental game where they're able to bounce back quicker. Because at some point, every kicker is going to miss. Um, for most kickers, if you miss one, that's okay. But if you miss two in a row, that's when things can, can really unravel and which kickers can, 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 uh, you know, 
let go of those past kicks quicker are usually the ones that can have have longer careers. And you know, and you know, maybe I just say this because I'm a kicker. Luck definitely plays in as well. You know, it's 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 when you miss too, as well as uh, you know, if you miss a kick when you're up 35 to 10, people aren't going to think about it. But if you miss a couple of kicks at the wrong time, even though it's not the pressure, just you know, just happen to be like you know, like you know, your foot placement or something. But uh, there's there's not much mercy in the NFL once you miss two or three in a row. Again, we we remember the wide right for the Bills and that. Oh. We totally. remember that, <laughs> but we don't remember the fact that 90, most, most kickers in the NFL hit 90 some odd percent on their extra points, even though they moved it back. Most people think that a 60 yarder or a 50 yarder is automatic, which I'm not good with math, but I was watching somebody do some calculations, just a little wind like you're saying, foot placement wrong could take a, a one inch off can go 10 feet i mean it's amazing how hard it is for you to do those things did you have any moments in 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 the pros that you thought how in the world did i hit that yeah you know probably the 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 most challenging kick i had it it wouldn't be like a like a last second kick the one that was my biggest challenge that 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 i'm I'm very grateful that i made looking back is when i was at the university of pittsburgh um we were playing Rutgers, and it was the third game of the season and before that game, we played WVU, and I, I missed an extra point, which is which is a big no no. And and I was already on like shaky ground because I was a walk on, and there was other scholarship players that I'd beat out. And Amos Jones, a special teams coach, he he always had my back. Like he thought I was easily the best of the bunch. Um, but the head coach was more conventional, and because he didn't really know kickers. Um, he wanted to always go with the veterans. So he, my special teams coach had a, Amos Jones had to talk him and just get me the starting position. And then he had always like, like fight to help keep it because what happened was um, I missed that kick against WVU. And then my first kick against Rutgers was, was a 44 yarder. And I missed that. So now I was over two. And I saw the head coach tell the, my special teams coach, Hey, it, it, like let's, let's pull him out and put in another kicker. And he said, no, 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 he's okay give him one more chance. So we, we got down the field goal position and it was, as again, it was a, it was a 44 yarder. And so this was, you know, probably my most pressure packed kick because I knew if I missed, like that was it, there was, this was three in a row and there was another, um, there was a kicker on scholarship on the team who's going to take my job. But um, luckily I made that, but the, but the good thing about like being in that position is once I made that, I felt like, Hey, this is, I don't think it's ever going to get tougher than this. You're never going to be in this position. That really helped me, uh, Help build a lot of confidence. I, I didn't. I didn't miss any kicks the rest of the season until the, the very last game of the season. So I went like the next eight or nine games, making every kick. But it was, it was being put in that position and overcoming it that 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 really helped. Tell me, what is the book, the point after about? Yeah, so so it's just about um, you know just like a, like an underdog story of of um, you know a football player who is who is actually like the more common football player it is it was. I just felt, you know, writing a story because a lot of the, the sports books I, I've read are usually about, you know, like a, you know, someone like a Tom Brady who who makes it all the way to the top. Um, but what really fascinated fascinated me when I was in the NFL was interacting with so many players who were always like one one play away from being out, you know, so like 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 on the fringe. So it's 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 more of a story about like what it's like being a, a fringe football player, like always being on the outside looking in. You know, like being on a team than off the team because I got I got cut um, three times. Um, in addition to that, I, I was I was invited to all bunch of, a whole bunch of tryouts by NFL teams like during the middle of the season when they need a kicker. So by the time my career ended, I, I pretty much interacted with probably about 
three quarters of the NFL. I, I knew like all the special teams coach at some point. Um, I also got to play in the World Football League. So, so the book is also about that, where I spent a whole season with a bunch of players who were like on the outside looking in. And, and I just wanted to tell like, you know, the, 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 the human aspect of it all. And also the advantage of being a kicker, you get to be a spectator too. So um, I had a lot of great interactions with some interesting football players, such as uh, Barry Sanders, Dan Marino. And so I also like write about like, you know, what's it like, um, you know, interacting with them and, and, you know, and, and, and how they achieve like, like, like their greatness. But I really try to, to focus on the story of, 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 of the downs, um, because I think that's what we we don't hear about when we watch all these football stories. So I really w- w- like like try to share as much as I could about what it feels like to be you know rejected and and and, uh, and to bounce back from that. I noticed in your back, uh, of course, this is on a podcast, and I'm pointing to the back in his background. He has a Detroit Lions helmet. He has a New York Jets helmet, which I love. That Jets helmet. That's the old school Joe. Classic. Yep. Yep. Uh, what's your favorite NFL story that of you that you're in? What's your favorite story? Uh, uh, probably it was um, it, it was it, it was meeting Barry Sanders when I when I was at the Detroit Lions. We were about maybe just three or four days in the training camp, and before practice, all the players would go out and they would essentially warm up before like the actual organized team warm up. And um, I'm just standing there, you know, do my little stretches, and I, I, I see Barry Sanders, number twenty, starting to saunter over towards me. I had no idea. I'm thinking, why is Barry Sanders walking towards me? What, what, you know, what does he want to ask me? What does he want to talk about? And he just said, Hey, you want to play catch? So I'm like, wow. Okay. So here I am a, you know, rookie, you know, Barry Sanders. So of course I said, yes. And um, that ended up being my uh, routine before practice for the, for the, for the next five or six weeks. I play, I play catch with Barry Sanders for every practice. And um, we, we play the Dallas Cowboys in, in, in London a few weeks later and the first couple of nights, the uh, the head coach Wayne Fonts let us party as long as we wanted. You know, three four a.m. And I came saunter, came wandering into the uh, the lobby one night after being at the pub with with all the other rookies doing what rookies do. And Barry Sanders is sitting there reading a Stephen King book, and I sat down next to him, and um, you know, I just asked him, you know, so, you know, we just you know, we're shooting the shit, and I just said, hey, like I mentioned something about being concerned about being cut, and like what's next, and he told me, hey, whatever you you know, um, you know, whatever happens to your NFL career, remember that there's more to life than the NFL, which ended up being the, the subtitle for my book. But he told me that at the time he told me that I, I, I really didn't believe it because for me, that that's everything I wanted to be. And I didn't know what I would do afterwards. And that was like my whole identity, but that was probably like, you know, something that impacted me the most because, um, you know, I, I, I learned, learned my lesson the hard way, but that's something I look back and as I realized, yeah, I mean, I love, love, love football, but now, um, you know, I'm more interested in the humanity of the game and, and, and looking back, I wish I was probably more in the present moment when I was in my football career, but I spent probably a little too much worrying about like, uh, what, what was coming next and whether I had a job the next day, it's hard to let go of that because that's, that's the reality of it. But, uh, um, it, it certainly was a good lesson for me. When did you, in your life, when did you find purpose? Do you know yeah. when you found purpose? Yeah, I, I think when I found purpose was 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 much after my career when you know, you know, picking up with 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 you know what Barry Sanders said about there being more to life. I think you know when my career ended, 
And I, I just started getting like all, you know, I threw myself a pity party. You know, now I'm not going to be an NFL player. You know, my whole plan was to play it until I was 40. And I think what helped me found, find purpose is um, uh, I, I began to get into yoga and meditation. And I realized like, hey, maybe I can, you know, like, like work with athletes and, and work with people who, you know, who are also in the same boat as me, who maybe also struggle to, you know, define purpose and identity and go through any sort of struggle, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, um, or spiritual. And so that's what really got me into uh, eventually switching, um, you know, my career and, 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 and teaching yoga and meditation. That's, that's, uh, you know, you know, what I do today. And it, it's, it's all behind uh, what happened in my football career. Want to see purpose, Mr. Sean? Come here, come here, ladies. Come here. This is my daughter, Harmony. Oh, right hello. Here. And this is my Hi daughter, there. Kelsey. Hello, nice to meet you. They have uh, they've given me purpose. Uh, oh, that's the last awesome. Few weeks. And, uh, she actually drew me a Godzilla. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and Kelsey over here. Uh, I'm a nerd. Wow. Yes, that's, that's excellent. I can't do any of that. Wow. No, I can, I can do stick figures and stuff. This is, wow. This is, that's all by hand. That's impressive. Uh, it's, it's more than, I, I can barely do any of that stuff, but, but yeah. And, and there's, there's something that my daughter did as well. Love it. But I'm glad that you, you're finding purpose and I'm glad that you've helped people find purpose through, through ways to not only affect their body, but also affect their mind. And as I'm seeing the time running down on this, uh, Zoom limits me on certain things. I, would, I think we sometimes forget that the body is not the only thing that needs to be worked out. You have a spiritual aspect of your life, but you also have a mental aspect of your life. And if you can get all three of those working together, you're light years ahead of other people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting now, too, because, you know, mental health and beyond like physical is now being uh, uh, talked about in in the professional and collegiate sports world. And 10, 15 years ago, it, it, it wasn't at all. And um, you're seeing a lot of uh, big time colleges in Wisconsin, Michigan, they have whole programs now staffing, um, you know, to help the, 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 the help the help the athletes. And you know, it, this whole, you know, identity struggle for athletes is, is so real and so common, you know, they struggle with it while they're in it. And and I know it's very easy for us to think, oh, they're all, all, you know, just like privileged athletes. Um, but a lot of them just, they, they struggle off the field. And I think any support that we can give them now is, is, is it's nice to see that it's growing and it's being, being talked about. And, um, uh, you know, we're seeing, we're, we're seeing like more balanced athletes now. I think you're even starting to see like athletes retire earlier than expected because I think they're just seeing, Hey, I, I don't need to just keep beating up my body. There, there's, there's, there's other things for me to do in life. That's more important. Okay. Let's, let's kind of, like I said, wrap this up. Cause zoom is telling me I have to wrap it up. Let's, let's do two things here. Okay. Number one, if you have words of wisdom that you can give to our listeners, what would that be? Mm. Well, I, you know, I, I think the biggest thing right now, just like from what, like what I learned is, um, is, is would be, I guess, hit the word advice, but just from my experiences is just, um, you know, moderation as, 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 as a young athlete, you know, so if you have a, you're a parent who has a young athlete who has aspirations, like my son, he plays baseball and he's, he's, he's feeling the pressure in that world right now. He's 14 where a lot of kids his age are playing year round baseball and they're specializing in it and you're seeing kids get uh overuse 
uh, 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 surgeries at, or, or getting surgeries due to overuse of, the, of their joints at ages 12, 13, 14. And they are just, they're pushing them, pushing them, pushing them. And, and a lot of the, 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 the young athletes are, well, this is because this, this kid, everyone else is doing it. And the same with the parents. And so I think it's just, um, you know, finding some balance in, in, in like, like, you know, whatever sport you're doing and realize like, you know, the body can only, the more you run, it's like a car, like how fast you drive it. It, it, it's going to burn out and break down. And so like, we're seeing so many young athletes that are burning out, not just physically from the overuse, but also mentally, like, you know, I, I, I've been here, I hear story after story where a kid is, is, is driving on like all these travel teams from a very young age. And, and then they get the age 18, they get offered a scholarship and they're like, Oh, sorry, mom and dad, I'm, I'm done. Peace out. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna go to school now. So I think it's just, you know, you know, finding that balance of, you know, you know, whatever sport you're doing, um, so you don't, so that doesn't happen to you. That's a good thing. Balance in life is hard to find. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm glad you're saying that. So where can we find Sean Connolly? Where can we find him on, on social media? Yeah. Thanks for asking. Um, like, so I'm on Instagram, uh, but I guess I spend more time these days on Twitter. So, um, yeah, uh, a little bit on Facebook. Yeah. But mostly Instagram and Twitter. And then I've, uh, I have a website as well where I have my book and also the stuff with yoga and, and meditation as well, which is seanconley.net. I was uh, on your website earlier yesterday and today. It is a fantastic website. Y'all did a great job. You're on there with your wife as well? Yeah, 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 yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. If it I'm, wasn't I'm, for my wife, like going back to like my my purpose. Yeah. If it wasn't for my wife and the kids, that's, you know, that's my, my number one purpose for sure. I'm sure I, I would, you give her credit my, for all that don't you oh absolutely no my, my my nfl crew would have flamed out much much earlier if i wouldn't have her to like keep going she was actually one of the very few people who like believed in my dream of like like walking on and all that because that was it just seems so unconventional but she's she's also a dreamer who doesn't care about failing and so she supported me through the whole thing and there's there's a couple times that you know i thought about like giving up and 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 during my nfl career and she's like no you got to keep going until like like the, the, like the, like the, you've, you've gotten every no possible. <laughs> Thank you for being an inspiration and check out his book. The, the point after Amazon books, a million Barnes and Noble uh, on your website too. Yeah. Check out that book, please. And uh, Mr. Sean, thank you for coming on the football's family podcast. Thank you, Jeremy, for you, for having me. This, this, this is a lot of fun. I appreciate it. This podcast is sponsored by Play Classic Sports Simulation Board Games, spelled with two A's, P-L-A-A-Y. Realistic board game recreations of professional football, hockey, baseball, NASCAR, golf, and more. They cover nine sports in all, with a tenth, basketball, coming in 2022. You can relive great sessions of the past, create what-if matchups from different eras, and much more. It's fun. So if you're into sports history, you should check them out. That's play with two A's, P-L-A-A-Y, classic.com. And don't forget to use the code SHN at checkout and get 10% off your first order. Hey, are you ready for some football? Some fantasy football? How about some daily fantasy football? Silly questions, right? Of course you are. You're ready to talk some smack and win some cash every Sunday, and Thursday, and Monday, and whenever there's football games. 
Sports History Network invites you to play your daily fantasy football this season at thrivefantasy.com. Thrive Fantasy offers hundreds of thousands, millions in cash every day on NBA, MLB, PGA, golf, cricket, esports, and of course, NFL football. And just to get the 2021 NFL season started right, Thrive Fantasy is holding its $100,000 guaranteed contest with a $20,000 first prize. Sign up with Thrive Fantasy today to get a 100% match bonus on your first deposit for up to $100 in free daily fantasy football play. Visit sportshistorynetwork.com slash thrive. That's T-H-R-I-V-E. Or enter promo code SHN when depositing at the cashier. Join Thrive Fantasy today, earn cash prizes, and support great shows like this at the Sports History Network. Now that's a win-win-win situation for you to kick off your own NFL season. At the Sports History Network, we're all about sports yesteryear, and so we're so pleased to introduce you to Row One, an online memorabilia gallery and shop that brings your sports history to life anywhere. The Row One gallery includes over 5,200 gorgeously reproduced prints of team posters, game program covers, game tickets, advertisements, and more in baseball, pro and college football, pro and college basketball, and more. And any gallery item may be printed in a variety of sizes on wood, metal, canvas, acrylic, or poster paper. And in Row One Shop, check out the thousands more of unique Unique items with a retro and historical designs dating back to 1876, including t-shirts, long sleeve shirts, phone cases, mugs, blankets, pillows, towels, and even shower curtains. Go to sportshistorynetwork.com, R-O-W number one, for access to the full Row 1 catalog and for gallery prints and gift items, plus get a 15% discount off all prints on the Row 1 Pictorum Gallery with coupon code SHN15. Follow the link on the show notes. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time, as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.